Welcome to Monday through Friday, Cellular Agriculture for a Pandemic for the Future. My name is George Ortega. This is episode number 46, and I'm recording it on Tuesday, September 8th, 2020 at 9.21 p.m. Eastern Time. And I want to follow up on yesterday's episode um, to be confident, to, to be optimistic about what's happening, to see the good, on, notwithstanding all, all the uh, suffering we're going through and, and we'll be going through, to see the good that, con- that, that, you know, by reason must come out of this. So again, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to invite you to explore this with me, this, this question of like, how do you think we're going to be feeling in a year or two however long it takes when we're not wearing masks anymore, when, um, when this time of distancing ha- has passed, um, how do you think businesses are gonna be feeling? How do you think people in general, I mean, do you think that we might want, we, we might be very interested in obtaining assurance, assurances from our government, from ourselves, from each other, that if there's a way to prevent another one of these pandemics from happening that will utilize this way. We'll, you know, or at least, at the very least, we'll really have a very extensive global conversation about what we do to prevent um, something like this from happening again. Um, I wanna share the screen that, that um, you know, about the, uh, the epidemics over the uh, last, to millennium and uh, a couple of centuries and a couple of decades so that you can um, basically um, appreciate, you know, why I, I suggest that, um, that we'll have this conversation, that it, it seems inevitable. You know, again, like, you know, the first millennium, we, we had eight <laughs> epidemics the entire millennium. Um, so the last century, of this second millennium, we had 40. We had, you know, uh, five times as many epidemics, not in a millennium, in a century. And and then this first decade of this new century, we had 42. We had as many, you know, in one decade as we had the entire last century. So it's important to keep that in mind it's important to keep that in mind that, that you know, as we're coming out of this, yeah, we, we may not have the bandwidth to, uh, to appreciate this right now. We may not have the bandwidth to be considering it now because we have other more urgent concerns, at least many of us. And, I, and actually, you know, I should say that our politicians should have the bandwidth for this. And in other words, like, there's no reason, you know, why they can't run for re- re-election do what needs to be done about this pandemic and also be preparing us to be pandemic free as much as possible. So, so think about it. Um, ordinarily, businesses are corporations, you know, big business, you know, in general, I mean, they're small business. Businesses are the, um, the influences in our politics that, um, that dissuade us from 
taking these protect protections. You know, were it not for, for businesses, for their influence in politics, <clears throat> we probably would have been much more protected from this, you know, by, by increasing the budget of the CDC various ways. And we certainly would be doing much more to, uh, excuse me, to address a climate change that is, um, is much more dire, however much longer <laughs> into the future it will be. So now the, the, the interesting thing about this situation is that, I mean, I, I may be wrong, but it doesn't seem like businesses would be willing to endure another one of these pandemics if it can be avoided. If it can be avoided by spending only one half of 1% of what we have spent on this pandemic. You know, these, this is basic e economics. I mean, you know, businesses um, engage in, in trust in, in, in risk aversion as part of their business models routinely. It, it's, it's how they do business. So it, it can't escape them that, that there is a way to, um, to have us be pandemic free as, as much as possible. And it can't escape them that 50 billion, $100 billion, you know, double it would be a bargain as compared to, to um, losing another 8 trillion, 10 trillion, however much this will eventually cost us in addition to the lives and, and you know, so much else that we've lost that we're losing now. So, because otherwise, you know, um, again, anybody who, you know, the, this, the, these figures that I just put up on the board um, that I shared, you know, right now people aren't thinking about them that much, you know, again, we're, we're involved in this. But yes, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, as we're not wearing masks anymore, when we finally reach that point in a year or two, and, you know, just use your imagination to, um, to consider how much longer we'll be in this, you know, vaccine or not. Um, it stands to reason that, um, that no politician, um, no media source, media pundit is going to uh, anymore be saying, oh, well, this is a one in 100 year event. We don't really have to worry about it because of that. So, you know, that, that talking point that has been designed, I suppose, to, to, um, to allay people's fears, to, to give people something perhaps to feel good about while we endure this, that, that talking point, um, mistaken, profoundly mistaken talking point, won't survive. It, it, you know, people won't believe it. People will understand. You know, again, the, you know, this, this um, wiki page that I shared, it's common knowledge. It's not like you have to, you know, have a freedom of inf information ask act to ask this to be de declassified or whatever. This is, this is, you know, this is well known. So, um, so then, so then again, we're, we're thinking through this together. So like we realize that vaccines are the only other way that we can be safe from, from these pandemics and that, you know, eventually, you know, not right now, but again, as we're, as we're reopening society completely without the masks, the infectious disease experts, the epidemiologists, the vaccine researchers will be asked to assess our chances 
of developing these universal vaccines that will work even if the, the virus mutates as these do. And um, I would guess, according to my research, because they're saying that now, the ones that are you know, being asked about are just considering it, Dr. Fauci being one, that these vaccines are at least 10, perhaps 20, 30, 40 years away. Again, it's very important to keep in mind that HIV AIDS, which was identified in the 80s and has killed over 20 million people, that's 20 times the number of people that this pandemic has killed. I mean, right now we're not at a million deaths yet. I imagine we, we will be uh, um, eventually. But um, HIV AIDS, you know, after 40 years of research trying to find a vaccine for it, they don't, there, there is no vaccine. You know, we haven't been able to find that. So, um, so again, a, a universal vaccine is, is even, you know, it's much harder than, than, than a vaccine targeted to a specific virus. You know, universal vaccine, again, means that it would work on, for example, all varieties of coronavirus, all varieties of influenza, uh, all varieties of swine flu or avian flu. And um, so that's, that's what we have to keep in mind, you know, that there is no other way to be safe. And I, I think very few people really are going to want to live in a world kind of that I, I suppose re re would resemble the Cold War after World War II. We had detonated two atomic bombs, nuclear weapons, and there was this Cold War. And, you know, we had these drills in, in, in elementary school back then, getting under the, um, the desk, you know, the, 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 um, the threat of global war back then was to many people real and people were, were scared of that you know well you know this this threat of, of the next pandemic again uh, one thing that, that the epidemiologists and media have been saying especially the, the um, virus experts and they're they're completely accurate about is that um it's not a matter of if we will have a next pandemic under a business as usual scenario, because that's what they mean. You know, they don't, they're not extrapolating, you know, to scenarios where we actually do things to prevent these. But, you know, if we continue the way things are, our experts are telling us it's just a matter of when they will happen. And um, so it's kind of like a Cold War on steroids in a way. It's, it's just like that amplified. Um, you know, an, an atomic um, war, it's something that, that people in the know may fear, but like, you know, it doesn't really play out. You know, I mean, we didn't go into shutdown, lockdown, distancing, uh, closing our society or businesses because of, you know, of this, you know, threat of nuclear war. We're doing this for a year, two, three, however long it takes now. It's completely different. And, and, you know, people are, again, people are losing their businesses that they've spent decades building up. Um, a lot of people are losing a lot of money. Um, it's tearing families. It's just like, you know, I mean, I don't have to explain this to you. I mean, you're living it. You know, I don't have to, like, convince you of how disruptive this uh, pandemic is and how, dis how we will have a memory of this. You know, we have a memory of 9-11. 
you know, um, we we don't we didn't forget that we we have a, a home uh, a department of homeland security. We created an entirely new federal department to address the terrorist threats. And so, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if the CDC would be um, would be elevated to, let's say, the level of one of those. Um, federal departments, um, you know, with, with, a, with a cabinet position, you know, just like an extremely high priority. Um, so, all right, but I think you understand the situation. I think you, you understand that like, no, we're not so unreasonable. I mean, we're unreasonable about climate change because it's so, it's into the, the future. And, you know, we're just not designed yet as human beings to be able to just like, um, to consider, you know, decades away with any reasonable kind of fear or apprehension. You know, we're, we're too, too focused on, um, on living now. You know, um, those, those threats of a future, um, apparently that's what we've learned, a future doom for our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, they don't affect us. They don't scare us nearly sufficiently to bring us to action. But, but this obviously is, is a much different situation. So, so we, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any disagreement that, um, that we will appreciate, you know, the, um, the imperative, the absolute necessity of not allowing this to happen again. All right, so with about 14 minutes left, let's, let's, um, let's brainstorm. So, I think the, you know, well, the, the money part of it is the easy part, I think, because again, like, as I've been saying, there's about a billion and a half dollars invested in the 40 to 50 startups right now that are racing to, to meet the research challenges necessary to scale up production. So they're not growing these products in labs anymore. They're growing them in factories that are large enough to um to supply you know the world with, with as much meat fish and dairy as, as we would really want to to replace the livestock industry that, that we will be closing as soon as possible um so that's that's relatively easy so yes we we we, we throw 50 billion 100 billion dollars into it we, we basically recruit our best scientific minds our best minds in biology and, and and chemistry and um, the engineering of these these new um, bioreactors that will be necessary for you know to to contain the, this growth and you know to to just facilitate the uh, the technology. So we will be you know spending a lot of money. I mean I I don't see us not doing this again because um, the um, the alternative is fraught with too much fear, too much apprehension, and and you know business does not like especially for a protracted a period of time, that kind of uncertainty. You know, it, it's like all over the place right now. Right now, it just doesn't know what to think of the future. You know, the, the market crashed, then it went back up, and it looks like it's, you know, coming down again. So the market is really not behaving right now on, on data, on facts, on, on reality. It, it, it's like it's an emotion-based um, market. But um, but eventually, you know, eventually businesses will understand, you know, um, if they let this end. And another thing I think is, is going to be um, 
much more more um, more understood is that um, this you know this is a relatively mild virus this coronavirus we have had other viruses that are 40 times more deadly now imagine and these viruses mutate they combine so imagine a virus with the lethality of one of these you know that is 40 times stronger than, than this one also coupling with with the uh, the attribute of this virus of of being transmittable not just when somebody's really you know symptomatic and showing symptoms and feeling symptoms but but also when it's asymptomatic those two factors combined you know that 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 should scare people you know because that that's a possibility it, it's it's i mean like it's 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 you know viruses mutate and that's one of the mutations they're quite capable of and uh, and it's not unrealistic to believe that that may happen or may be happening um so businesses again who who really are you know in a certain sense have been our enemy you know in, in terms of protecting us against you know the, the climate and, and environmental pollution and and, and you know the, these harmful ingredients and in foods you know now finally it's hit businesses so hard that it just wouldn't make any business sense for them to um, to oppose this this global um, Manhattan product project initiative to transition to end the farming of, of all animals you know on the planet and to transition thankfully you know rather than I mean ideally again I think it would be best if we all went vegan but I don't think it's going to happen so like we're very fortunate to have this new technology that just emerged seven years ago that will allow us to um, to continue to have these products um, businesses will, will understand that that has to happen so again, the interesting part is um, that it's not just the United States or just the rich countries, just Europe or, you know, it's the entire world that has to do this. It's the same thing with climate change. In other words, like if we do everything we need to about climate change and China doesn't, that's not good enough. If China does everything they need to and we don't, that's not good enough. You know, you know the major you know, I mean, the United States is, has contributed to about 25% of the CO2 is up there. We, you know, we're one, we're five percent of the world's population. We, you know, 25% of, of of the problem. Um, so we will certainly have to change. But again, it won't be enough. It, you know, for 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 a problem like preventing future pandemics, the entire world has to be involved, and of course, that includes the very poorest countries in Africa, South America, parts of Asia. And that is why I feel very optimistic, you know, because the, these countries are poor. They can't afford the meat and dairy and eggs the way we grow them now, but they will be able to afford the cell-based, you know, lab-grown products that we'll be developing. And so they won't be as malnourished. But beyond that, before that, you know, just imagine, you know, think about all the cooperation that will be absolutely necessary for us to achieve this uh, 
this protection from the next pandemic. Um, you, know, I've, you know, I've said this before, this is a time, we're in a time where money no longer determines what happens. Politicians really don't, no longer determine what, what, what happens. This coronavirus and the threat of the next one is what is determining what happens. And, and, and our, um, our basically our self-regard, you know, ordinarily our, our self-regard leads to a lot of selfishness, a lot of indifference to, to so much of, of what, what we do, you know, including like the, the welfare of all these animals that, that, that you know, we, we routinely uh, abuse and, and torture, you know, for, for decades we've been doing this. Uh, so now it's, it's self-interest that is going to be fueling our co cooperation, you know, um, those other countries who are much less able to, to, to manage, you know, the next outbreak pandemic than, than we would, you know, they're, they're just as, um, as interested in, in participating, they should be, you know, they're, they're certainly the people would be. And I think, you know, for the leaders, I think there'll be more than enough pressure, both from their internal population, that their they're, they're people will force leaders, however much dictatorial they may appear now or actually be, but that, that pressure is not just gonna come from, from their, their own population, that pressure is gonna come from other countries. You know, you can see, for example, for example, Russia. I mean, Russia has P Putin, and you know, he is like a dictator, right? I mean, like he just, you know, I think he just like changed the law so he can run again. And the guy's a de facto dictator. And now he's calling the shots in preparation for this new world. He won't be able to call the shots, you know? And, and, and I think, he, you know, I don't think he will want to oppose this. You know, he, he's, he's not stupid, you know? I mean, he, he will recognize that, that this is something that has to be done. And again, you know, so like, so the global cooperation is something that's gonna be very interesting to follow, you know? And, and this is, again, one of the reasons that I feel so optimistic that although this pandemic has been so horrific in, in, in afflicting us so much, you know, um, it, it really will lead to a much, much better world. So, um, so the leaders, you know, will eventually get on board and we'll do this. And so, all right, so like, you know, again, I'm, I'm not a, an international um, foreign affairs expert, international affairs expert, um, but it will be interesting to see how the United Nations and the other, you know, the, the countries of the world come together to, to reach an agreement on, on this as soon as possible. And again, so like getting back to the real work is informing people everywhere. You know, here's, here are the facts. You know, unless we end the farming of animals and transition to this new technology, which incidentally will give you, you know, meat, fish, dairy, eggs, not just that is much healthier than what you eat now, but it will eventually cost much less, you know, people will be told that. And people, you know, once they're assured that, that these, you know, basically it's the same product, you know, biologically, the, the meats and fish and dairy and eggs that we'll be producing in labs will be biologically identical to what we get from farming animals, what would, would grow inside the animals. I mean, the, 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 the difference, again, the very important difference is we can like, we can um, tweak these products to make them far healthier, to, to eliminate the cholesterol 
eliminate the saturated fat. You know, have these have these delicious steaks, but with omega three oils that are actually healthy. You know, and this is across the board. There's so many risks and dangers associated with the meat we buy now that won't be associated with the meats that we produce in these labs. So it will be interesting to see how you know to to have you know people who who might at first fear this new technology do their own risk benefit analysis do their own you know exploration research and 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 come to the conclusion and and, and naturally the media the academics uh, politicians will help people understand this that it just it would be folly it would be folly to not take advantage of this gift that we've been given to be able to continue to eat meat fish and dairy you know and, and you know that will allow us to close our, our, our farms, you know. And so th those are just the logistics, but then, you know, again, you know, I've, I've dealt with this before and I'm gonna deal with it again, because I, I you know, I, I believe in God. I believe we're, we're, we're rewarded when we do good and punished when we don't do good. And so this, you know, I've said before that this, you know, if you were asked, for example, you know, you were given a choice of being a slave or, you know, being, in one of the concentration camps in the Holocaust, or being one of these animals, like one of these chickens in these factory farms, I'm pretty sure you would, you would select being a slave or in a concentration camp. That's how horrible these, these animals are being treated. So what I'm trying to say is that, aside from the logistics of being safe from pandemics, this is going to awaken our conscience. You know, we've been in denial about this, our collective atrocity for decades. So finally, we'll, we'll face it. We'll face it because we have to, you know, or we'll face it, you know, kind of as an expedient. In other words, like, you know, yes, we have to, we have to close these farms anyhow. So yes, I, I guess now we can, we can finally acknowledge how horrible we've been and perhaps, you know, understand or, or, or you know, suppose that this pandemic was our punishment for being so cruel. You know, just a lot like I imagine the, uh, the Civil War in the United States was the punishment for, for the South for being so cruel, for the North for allowing them to be so cruel for so long. And the North also benefited from, from the, uh, you know, the wealth that, that the South created on those farms. So it was like, it was like the whole country just complicit in this. So again, it's gonna be, um, it's going to be amazing to see the moral uplift that happens that will be expanded not just to, to you know treating animals more kindly but you know it, you have to wonder what else we'll will do when, once we understand how evil we've been and then how how much we've reformed and what a great undertaking we've, we've done by by making our world pandemic uh, free you know um, risk-free all right have less than a minute so again um catches every monday and friday at our white plains community media channel 76 is get optimum 45 get verizon it's on youtube and it's also available in um audio format through spotify itunes and other platforms so i i like i like this message this message is optimistic it, it, it presents you know the facts you know in in a, in a way that um that'll make us I believe take notice, but it also gives us reason to hope for a much better future. So I'm going to continue 
you know, just basically outlining how we can create a much better world, you know, by ending factory farming and transitioning to sell agriculture. Th thanks for watching.